welcome to In Context. This is where we talk about the context of the Bible as we understand it and then how we apply it or how we fit into it in our context in life. So we're talking today with my good friend and brother and really smart guy, Dr. Ken Boa. Dr. Boa has a long pedigree. I'm going to just read a little bit of his bio. So those of you who don't know him, he is the president of Reflections Ministry and Trinity House Publishers. He holds a Bachelor of Science from Case Institute of Technology, a THM from my alma mater, Dallas Seminary, a PhD from NYU, a Doctor of Philosophy from Oxford, the real Oxford in England. He has written 50-plus books, and I won't go into that list, but what we're talking about on the broadcast are these handbook series. Ken, how many do you have now in the total handbook two series? There are actually a, a series of nine of them, and there's kind of like a sequence of devotional collections. So there actually is a nice way of processing them where you have an array of collections so that we're going to be putting them out. And we're putting them out as paperbacks as well as hardbacks. So um, I'm pretty happy about it because the final one of these nine handbooks, so I see them as a trilogy of trilogies, really, is Handbook to God's Promises. But the initial one was Handbook to Prayer, and that's what really kicked it off because I had a vision for praying Scripture back to God, which is to combine the two most fundamental disciplines and to integrate them and to make it a satisfying experience for people who often struggle both with their prayer time and also their Scripture time and to integrate them and make it and take them by the hand and to guide them and make it give them form and freedom and a balanced diet. And that has served uh, many people very well. And so um, well, that... Well, just to interrupt you, Cindy and I, we've used lots like Valley of Vision and uh, yeah, yeah. Strength and uh-huh. Joy over the years. And when we stumbled across this, we have used it together. Uh, we started a church, Stonebridge Bible Church, a l- little over three years ago now. And when folks come to church, after they you know come a few times, we say, listen, if you think Stonebridge is your home, we have a copy of this we're going to give to you. And we uh-huh. ask our people to do it for 90 days. I don't I yes. don't guilt them or shame them. I say, try it for 90 days. I explain. Days. Yeah. And I say, don't overlook the preface because Ken's preface, you know, everyone should always read the preface of every book. But to understand the preface of, and I have your leadership one and the promises one, but you've put a lot of labor in. Let me, let's talk about the prayer book, first of all. And what I appreciate sure. about this, this wasn't done in a weekend. <laughs> you put a lot of time to organize it. Talk yeah. a little bit about you know, and I'm just going to scan like on page three, you talk about eight forms, which I so appreciate the adoration, confession, renewal, petition, intercession, affirmation, thanksgiving, and then a closing prayer. And I call it paint by numbers, not in a condescending way, but helping people understand you don't have to say the same repetitious thing to God every time every you pray. That's and, the, exactly. and, and then they say, mm-hmm. Ken, prayer doesn't work. Well, I pray and God doesn't answer my prayer, which is, of course, a subject we might touch on. But talk first about the organization, how you came up with this, because I think it's genius. Well, thank you. I I was influenced, and I mentioned in the uh, preface as well, by Lancelot Andrews, A Diary of Private Devotions. And he mentioned various categories, and that inspired me to think about organizing Scripture into categories of prayer. Because, again, people get into the gimme, gimme rut. 
They get into the petitionary rut. I think of many people's approach to prayer as strategy sessions between themselves and God in which they tell God about what they think that he should do for them. They give them generous suggestions about how and when to pull it off. Generous then, suggestions. Yeah. yeah, generous suggestions, you see. And then they get bummed out when God doesn't pull it off just exactly when and how because they think of him as a kind of a cosmic vending machine. If you put in the right yeah. coinage and push the right buttons, out comes the right amount. So so at the end of board. the day, we constantly can p- petition and petition and fail to grasp that that's only a component of prayer and that at the end of the day, they're missing out on a major richness and wealth of prayer of which petition is only a component. So I felt that a balanced diet is necessary. And so to start where we ought to start with who are we talking to, to prepare the heart and mind to enter into the throne room of the Almighty and to understand that we have been privileged because of the work of Christ as our high priest, as our mediator, to go into the throne room of God to receive grace and mercy uh, for time of help. So then adoration becomes the beginning, and that's really the number one experience of prayer in Scripture. And uh, so really that's the least common in our experience, but it's the most common example of prayer. So I start with adoration, beginning start with who he is first and then we move from adoration to confession and why because the bigger your vision of who god is the bigger god then you begin to realize how the sinfulness of sin so as we see who god is a greater vision of him then you realize the grace of god which connects me and him so confession follows Then we have a third kind of prayer, I call it, of renewal and kind of returning to him. And then a prayer of petition and intercession. And then what I call prayer of affirmation. By affirmation, I mean I'm taking a text or a truth of scripture and I modify it into an affirmation of truth. Again, I'm praying it back to God and then ending it with a thanksgiving and then a closing prayer. So it gives you a balanced diet, but then the form is scripture and the freedom is your response to the scripture. So it's like taking a person by the hand. Here, let me guide you through this. But it's not just reading it because it invites you to pause and add your own thoughts. You see, that's critical. About adoration, I remember in college being introduced to the ACTS Adoration, yes. confession, thanksgiving. And I found a young college man that if I spent more time adoring God's character, who he is, what he's done, uh, his holiness, my petitions kind of fell off <laughs> because I was, exactly I, I was being grounded and in, in rooted more that prayer is a relational situation. We're, we're trying to worship the God of the universe and to yes. do that, we need to think about who he is and what he's done and what he's like. And then a lot of my supplications become also rants, Ken, because like, well, if I really understand that God's sovereign and merciful and kind, yeah. why, yes. Michael, are you worried about X? Why, exactly. So then I realized that true prayer is not to get God to do what I want, but rather to recalibrate and align, align. myself with what he wishes. Yeah. And therefore, it's more a matter of him guiding me, because I've come to realize, really, that Almost inevitably, what I want is not what I need. So I have to, on a daily basis, kind of a kenosis and the idea of emptying himself, just as Christ emptied ourselves. So also, we, I die daily. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. What you're doing is dethroning the self on a daily basis and enthroning Christ. And effectively, um, your kingdom come, not my fiefdom, your name, not my name and reputation, your will, not mine. So 
in doing so, you're actually you're doing a kind of a mini kenosis. You're living canonically. You're emptying yourself and really choosing to embrace his will, his desire as your will. And so then you realize you're moving from what you want to what you truly need. And then that's really that recalibration through the, I find I need to do it through the course of the day as well. I was going to so, say, I was going to say, as long as we've been around the block, I don't find prayer any easier. Do you? No, 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 because it's a discipline. So what I've now, it's a, it's a constant, it's a relationship. And, yes. the, and the deeper you know him, the more nuanced it becomes. And then you begin to know what he, the more you know him, the more you know what he loves, want to love what he loves, hate what he hates. And you have a sense of what his desire would be. And so you become t uh, tuned and you also begin to train yourself to monitor the quiet voice of the Spirit of God so that you also notice his prompts. And so that's where we invite people then to add their own uh, thoughts and to ask for their own pause to express your thoughts so that you're hearing the text of Scripture, but then you're also inviting the Spirit to guide you and to respond and to resonate with that. So it's a spirit-led process. It's not just reading, but it's also a response to it. It's a very mysterious dynamic, and the more you get into it, the more you realize how Trinitarian it is. <laughs> I don't know if you can see, uh, holding up my handbook, but you know every page I've underlined and marked oh, up yeah. things and corrected things. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, but what I find with this, and I'm going to read a line out of your introduction that struck me, the quality of our vertical relationship with God has a direct bearing on the quality of our horizontal relationship with others. And, you know, boy, as a guy who's impatient in meetings, a guy who gets tired of, you know, I'll be unkind for a moment, but I get impatient with stupid things sometimes. I know no yeah, one else does. Yeah. And I go, Lord, <laughs> you love this person more than I can ever comprehend, and more surprisingly, yeah. you love me. So when I read a line like that, I go, yes, my vertical relationship is the only thing that's going to carry me through impatience yep. or anger or whatever it might be. But the other thing, when, when you say you invite people for folks that, and we're going to have a way for you to get this book at a discount, so hang on, we'll give that information on the podcast. But I love the little bullets you put, you know, pause and think about these things, because sometimes I go, that's great. I haven't thought about that item. And that there's some repetition in your structure, obviously, but many times it gets me off myself. And yes. I'm thinking yes. beyond just I mean my prayers. Yes, that's why the petitions are in a weekly cycle and the intercessions are in a weekly cycle. And by the way, this translation, uh, a reason why I could copyright it is because it's my own translation. There so you go. that's why it's, it's the KBV, <laughs> the Ken Boa version. But then having done that, then I personalize it and make it something that I can actually integrate. So it make it more using the personal pronoun. Because I want it to be a personal encounter with the living God and enter into that sense so that I come to be more aware of his presence so I think of the Father. I'm also, I like to trust in the Father, abide in the Son, and walk by the Spirit. So it's, again, as I say, very Wait, say that again. Say that again. Yeah. It's a thing. I have these spiritual renewal cards. Remind me, and I'll send them to you. It's a collection of cards I'd like you to try out um, that I use on a regular basis. And one of those components is before I wake up in the morning, I have a sequence of things I do before I put my foot in the floor. And one of them is it's the idea of, of submit and depend. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to submit myself to God and depend. And I define depending on God as trust the Father, 
abide in the Son and walk by the Spirit. That'll preach. And boy, did I tell you that, and I use that now because I can talk with a person and I can think of that even when I'm talking with a person because I'm very big into, by the way, the other component is the practice of the presence of God so that not only formal times of prayer, but then doing it throughout the course of the day and finding methods of doing that. And that's why I have a whole guide to practicing God's okay, presence. Okay, Hannah, you heard him. He's going to send me these cards. I'm going to hold his feet to the fire. So when you say before you get out of bed, before I get out of the bed in the morning, I have to get my body mechanics right so I don't hurt my old back. And here you're being <laughs> spiritual. <laughs> so I don't think it's like a little game. Before yes. I allow my feet to hit the floor, I've got to say yeah. it's, it's a very simple sequence. It's basically love and gratitude is the first thing come out of my thoughts. It doesn't take long, but the idea of love and gratitude. And I'll show you on the card. And then there's submit and depend. And then, and then by that, again, trust the Father, abide in the Son, walk by the Spirit. And then commit and obey. And then if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you're right back to love and gratitude. So it's yeah. a, a full circle. But then I'm able to get up. And, and I, I, I do this thing. I do this thing. Once I get my body mechanics right, I say, okay, Lord, uh, I get to choose. Am I going to serve myself or am I going to serve you? Yeah, And that's my alignment. See? Am I going to serve okay. you or myself? Because I want to serve gonna, myself. I want you to try this card out. I, you're going to send it to me. I'm going I'm to use it. Yeah. I'm going to report yeah, I back. Yeah, I want you to try it out. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get back to the book. So the 90-day cycle is brilliant because I don't feel like I'm, you know, it doesn't become so repetitive. I know what to expect. Also, like anything I read, some things strike me differently. And for folks, again, who haven't seen the book, he has an order of scripture. And then he'll have a pause. For example, this is day 15. He's got adoration. He's got a, his version, the Ken Boa version of Psalm 111, 7 through 9. I'll read his translation here. The works of the Lord's hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are trustworthy. They stand firm forever and ever. Done in faithfulness and uprightness, he sent redemption to his people he has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And then you have pause to express your thoughts of praise and worship. So I go back through here. And by the way, thank you for keeping the divine pronoun capitalized. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, uh, that's a very important thing to me. It's yeah, huge I, that's to a, me. And all publishers yeah. are jettisoning it. I don't know who the he is. Anyway, so I go back and I go, all right, what did this passage say, Ken? Oh, praise and worship. I praise his precepts. I praise he's trustworthy, that he's truthful, yeah. that he's just. And again, it's, I call it paint by numbers. And I tell people, you can do this in five minutes or 25 minutes. Precisely. It, it, yeah. You, you can and that's the beauty of accordingly. it. Yeah. And so yeah. people that I have found in 41 years of ministry, most believers will confess they're horrible in their prayer life. The people we look up to tend to be widows, godly women who have learned to depend on Christ the way us self-sufficient bravados don't. Uh -huh. And maybe it takes getting that to that point. But that said, most believers will say, yeah, I wish I prayed better or more yeah. or understood yep. it. So this is one reason I'm such a champion of your work. Now, help us out. Let's jump to some application here. Sure. When, when someone says prayer doesn't work, Ken, I've tried it and God didn't answer the vending machine. Mm -hmm. What do you tell them? Yes, because what we have to be very careful about is to never turn a desire into a demand. And so we have our desires and we offer them up to God, 
But we also need to be aware of the fact that he himself knows better than we what we need. So he will always answer our prayers, but I cannot tell him how and when and in what manner and in what degree to answer them because I do not know what my best interests look like. So, this so is always- okay, so let me interrupt you. So okay. then what do you tell a person that's praying for you know, their marriage is falling apart or their spouse is going to divorce them or they've discovered mm-hmm. their child has taken a left turn in life and they yes. they beg and they plead and they use scripture and then God does not, quote, answer yes. that demand. Yes, there's a terrific danger, and I've seen it again and again, of people putting their hope in something God never promised. And when they do that, they are making themselves vulnerable to great bitterness because when he did not answer the prayer as they themselves construed he should, therefore they themselves believe that God let them down and therefore he's not trustworthy. Because what they did, it's, there's a difference between hoping in and hoping for. It's perfectly well to hope for a thing, an outcome, but never put your hope in it. The only thing you're called to put your hope in is in God's character and his promises, not in something he did not promise. How do I know? Let's take a very personal thing. A person's child has cancer. Naturally, we want our friends to pray for the healing. Naturally, we want that outcome to take place. Naturally, it makes no sense for it not to be answered in the way we would wish. But how do we know in the economy of God, in terms of how he works all things together for good, not in isolation, whether there is not a deeper and possible purpose for a severe mercy to occur in this fallen world. But I believe that God redeems what he allows. And how do I know that purpose of God will not be accomplished in some redemptive manner that I cannot yet construe? So therefore, if I in wise, I will offer my prayer to God and my supplications, hold them before the throne, but I cannot demand an outcome. And so there can be, for example, a righteous misery. But the minute I make it a demand, an, uh, an outcome, then I'm going to become bitter. And I've seen many people turn away from God because, again, they feel he let them down. Oh, those stories are legion. You know, I yeah. prayed for my mother. She had cancer and yeah. he died. I have a young man who was a tremendously uh, successful uh, military person. I won't name the branch or his involvement, but he lost his captain and his closest friend in Afghanistan. And he said, you know, God failed him. And he walked away Mm -hmm. from God, from the church. And, uh, you know, it's so hard because you you said it right, though. When the thing is answered the way they want, they become bitter. And I don't know what, you know, is it personality? Is it our upbringing? You know, I, I deal with chronic pain. Everybody has something. And I people say, I don't know how you do it. And I say, well, I never ask God why, because I deserve hell. But I do ask yeah. him how. How yes. do I live faithfully? How do I not let my problems affect other people negatively? Yes. And, and But some people can't. Is that the way we're hardwired, Ken? Or is that our view of God? Help me out. Yeah, because you have, in fact, on these spiritual renewal cards, in fact, I'm going to mention one thing, that there are four whys of pain, and that'll be on the card I'm going to be sending you as well. But there's the why of grumbling, there's the why of grief, there's the why of guidance, there's the why of gratitude, and very few people go beyond uh, the why of grief to the why of guidance. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? The better question is, what's God teaching me in this experience? In other words, it transforms the why into a what. Okay, interrupt you. But isn't there intrinsic danger in what am I going to learn through this? Ergo, when I learn it, then God will help me. 
<laughs> yeah, the dangers. <laughs> he'll take, he'll take it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mistake that we make is supposing God's more committed to our comfort than to our character. Life is not about our happiness, but about our holiness. And he will do whatever it takes in order for us to be conformed to the image of his son. And so, therefore, it is that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. And you see, yeah. it. and so the fact is that we are in a world in which we're all terminal. And so at one point or another, we will age, we will die. And so unless the Lord returns Quickly, my point is that there is an inevitability about these things. And for me to make a demand for a specific outcome in a specific way the way I want it is, I think, a dangerous course of action for me to take. And it reminds me of actually a prayer that Blaise Pascal prayed with perfect consistency of mind. Help me to receive all manner of events. We don't know what to ask. We cannot ask for one event rather than another without presumption. And then he goes on to describe how do we know what our best interests look like. So I hold it before the throne of God, and it's an intractable situation. He knows my desire, but I also desire his purposes. And so here's what I do when I can't do a thing about it. He knows my desire. I hold it before him, but I'm going to be anxious for nothing. So I'm going to take Philippians 4, 6, and I'm going to hold it before God. And when I find that I, anxiety is returned, I give it back to him because I'm carrying something I was never meant to carry because he says, be anxious for nothing, not for a few things. And so I begin to train myself because it's not a matter of trying, it's training. So I habituate myself by training myself, kind of a neuronal plasticity. And then that process, after a while, you become more spring-loaded to giving it back to the Father until after a while you're anxious for nothing. It's there. It's always there, but it doesn't define you anymore because you're constantly giving it back to him and you're replacing it instead because it is, in fact, the expulsive power of a new affection. So you're replacing it with whatever is true and right and honorable and lovely and of excellence, worthy of praise. And so we're commanded to think about those So if I focus on those things uh, which are true, that I'm seated with him in the right hand of the Father, and that's part of these cards I'll send you to, the spiritual renewal cards, where I'm talking here about my identity affirmations. These are truths about these things. Then I'm actually affirming these truths and basing my identity upon those things rather than about a specific outcome that I cannot control. That's good. Because otherwise, the danger I'm going to make this very day is when I catch myself being anxious or I'm in a hurry or take a, take a less major component. I find myself I'm going to be late for an appointment or something's gone wrong. If I get bent out of shape, it's because I've made my joy dependent upon an arbitrary outcome of my own imagination. And so I have to let loose of that and then invite myself to go back to what God's allowed to occur and receive that from himself and then return back to that position of not being anxious, but receiving all things as from him. Mm. So it's, it's a mindset we have to embrace, but it's training. And it's a training to where we become spring-loaded to the things of the spirit and less to the things of the flesh. And at the end of the day as well, to welcome and to love 
his purposes because I do not have a clue as to what my best interests look like. <laughs> and I thank God for unanswered prayer. That e- even on a good day. Yeah, even on a good day. Even on a good, yeah, well, I do not have a clue. I'd love to talk to you about this handbook to prayer all day long, but I want to shift gears and talk about the handbook to God's promises, your newest book. Mm-hmm. And I purchased it for retail <clears throat> online. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. I, I uh, would have sent it. <laughs> you, you do not have because you do not ask. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so let's talk about this again. You've broken it out in a 52 week guide and mm-hmm. back up. You and I, when we were younger, went into people's houses and they had these coffee table books that were like, you know, the promises of God and they were gilded yeah. uh-huh. and they were never opened. So when I saw yeah. that, I went, okay, Ken's going to help me out there because I didn't never like those books, but I know Ken's going to put some thought to this. You uh-huh. have, again, and I encourage folks when they get these books, you've got to read Ken's introductions and they're not long. They're not long. No, they're not. Uh, but he's got a structure for the handbook and how to use it. And yep. y- you and Rick Ward make me ill with your alliteration. I can't alliterate my way out of a paper bag, and you do it so perfectly. But anyway, you've got promises about God's principles, his presence, his provision, his protection, his plan, and his preparation. And you've got these all mapped out. And the other thing that's beautiful about this is this is a little more personal. This is Ken telling some stories and yeah. Ken calling on some history you've read. So for folks that might have enjoyed Daily Bread, I would say this is a Daily Bread for grad students. It's a little more thought, but I don't mean it condescending, but a little more thought yeah. and alignment. So take us through some of these and the organization and what folks will expect and how they're going to benefit. Sure. So as you outlined, we've decided to break them down into very meditations on, for example, on his principles, we talk about his trustworthiness and his believability of his word. So we go into that kind of that area. So and we break them down into various categories. So week one would be God exists. And then we have a, a nice sequence of that. And God has spoken would be week two. And we break it down into those components. And then each day has a simple summary. For example, when we say week three, God is trustworthy, God's promise, his word spoken is his word accomplished. And then we go on to say, and when we say God's identity, whatever his answer is, it is right, and so forth. So we go through those, and then we go from there into his trustworthiness and believability in his words. We go into his presence, and we talk about the fact that he's always with us and we're never alone. And so we talk about prayers, matters about his presence. And so when we go into that matter, it's very helpful, I hope, for us to explore what does that look like. And then we go into um, meditations about his provisions um, in terms of our physical or spiritual and emotional needs, promises about his protection. And so we don't have to be afraid of things and his plan for our lives and his preparation. So and we, we have a kind of an array and a collection of these as well that we've kind of organized them together. So if I almost randomly selected one and I happen to be in, there's a 52-week guide here. And so one of those components would be this guide to his promises concerning week 37. God has a divine purpose in this instance here. So God's plan, promises about God's plan would be the difference here. And here, week 37, life has a divine purpose. And we say God's promises 
because God is good, his plans for your future are good as well. And then we give a, we always have a text of scripture, and then we have a story and an illustration from that. And then life has a divine purpose, God's identity, and then we say his commands are the doorway to freedom and fullness of life. So we give stories and illustrations and always a specific scripture. It's kind of like a very simple daily devotional taking you through the course of a year. And so it's just one a day, yeah. Now, you say part two, uh, it almost is like just a giant appendices. You've got people of promise, and and you chose some individuals, Adam and Eve and Hagar and Josh. Some of them were kind of, I mean, delightfully surprising. You would choose them. Tell us a little bit about why did you choose, you know, some of these folks? Yes, there's also um, kind of an interesting thing because the way we, the way we did this, this book is deceptive because it's got 707 pages, but the leather version is, is nice and compact. There's also a, a paperback version, but it was nice to do this, to go with various surprising people of promise. Yeah. And to use Joseph and Mary as an exemplars of that, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Nicodemus. But we also even have Satan as yeah. as, uh, as, as exemplars. Ray, Rahab, Rahab and Hagar. Well, yeah, yeah, Hagar was the one that struck me. I went, whoa. <laughs> yeah, why would? But you can begin to see the covenant. Uh, yeah, yeah, and how these people figured in. And then we also had then the promises of God in each book of the Bible as well. And that, of course, yes. the books of the Bible. And then we had a whole 300-page section we couldn't throw in, so we put that online. <laughs> it would have made it absurd. It would have been over 1,000 pages. So we have a little deal there where we just stuck it in there, and you can just get it to download here. Um, so it's kind of a fun, funny well, uh, thing. While Ken's turning pages, I want to encourage our, <laughs> our friends. The Handbook Series is something you ought to start looking at, and I would urge you to own the Handbook to Prayer and start using it for 90 days and just see not what God does, but how the Word affects you, how the Word of God is going to change you. And then I would encourage you, get the leather books, because here's the thing. There's something lost, Ken. In yeah. pay, and, and listen, I used Logos every day of my life. I love technology. I love the accessibility of things on a tablet, on a computer, on a phone. But when it comes to prayer, I try to encourage our folks, you need a book. You need something to take notes yeah. in. You need to keep away from the email and the Twitter and the OS and the messaging popping up on your screen and just yeah. be quiet and open handbook to prayer. Have a Bible if you want to read the verses in your version. And the same with yeah. God's promises. And the promises book to me was it was like a cinnamon roll. You know, the handbook to prayer is like coffee. The promise is like a cinnamon roll. It's just fun. It's <laughs> it it, fun. it's it's it sweet. Fun. It's fun. The yeah. stories yeah, are yeah. great. It's more personal in some respects. Yeah. And well, so you're right. I, I love the way you've crafted these together. I wish I had a yeah. half your brain. But tell me a little bit about William Crudenier. Crudenier, yes. And so William uh, helped me when I was doing this uh, Life Promises Bible years ago. And this is really a result of that. So we were working on our Life Promises Bible, and then I decided to assemble this after that went out of print. And he's done some projects with me in the past as well. I should also mention, by the way, there's something that uh, I've created, Handbook to Renewal, uh, that I use for five minutes before going to sleep. And it consists of affirmations about the character of God and the works of God and my relationship with God and the character I want to cultivate and my relation to others. I love the fact that it's just affirmations that you just, before you go to sleep and then you meditate, 
meditate upon that. So it's a, kind of a bookends the, the day. And so there's a, we're working on a, on a devotional collection of the Hamlet to Prayer, Renewal, and Scripture, and putting that in a slipcase as well. You're going to uh, have me way, too busy, man. I can't, I I can't know, keep I up, know, it's, not, it's not bad. It's five minutes, I'm telling you. Five minutes before you go to sleep. That's the whole point. You, very, very quick that's, and easy. That's, that's the green one, right? That's the, the green book. That's the um the leather. the uh, yeah. So again, on his website, you can see all these, and uh, some of them are a little expensive. But again, consider this an investment in your spiritual life, not just a book to put on a shelf. Goodness, don't buy it if you're not going to use them. But start yeah. with the handbook to prayer because most of us would acknowledge we want to grow in our prayer life. I mean, we're talking to the God of the universe, for goodness sakes. Why do I say the same thing? Why do I look for results in the wrong places? I wrote down so many things what you said, Ken. You know, don't put your hope in something God did not promise. Trying to carry something I was never meant to carry. What God, the Redeemer, allows in my life, I need to understand. So all these things, Ken has done a yeoman's job putting them together. Final words on the handbook series, Dr. Ken Boa. Yes. Well, again, we're redoing the hammer to leadership, which is yet another thing. And then we have the simple prayers is another. But yes, we're making these available. And I'm going to be making a slipcase edition, hammer to prayer, scripture and renewal so that you have a thing for the morning, something during the daytime and something in the evening. I'm a big believer in tools for busy people to help them become successful by guiding them through Yes, I can do this to give them more consistency in this time. So it's tools to equip, encourage, and empower people. And you're right about the 90 days. 30 days to get a short-term habituation, 90 days to a long-term habituation. And that's really part of the logic behind all of that as well. But that's why we have a less expensive version, the paperback, but then there's a leather version. I'm gonna, I don't think you have the genuine leather edition of Hammer to Prayer, so I'm going to have no, to No, I have the fake leather edition of them. And, and, yeah, you have the bonded and, and edition. I buy, I buy these 250 at a time. I'm going to send you a sample of the genuine leather. All right. Uh. All right. So, Hannah, you you heard him. I'm going to get a slipcase. I'm going to get genuine you, leather. You I'm going to get you cards. I need a witness. Isn't that biblical? Okay. If you go to the site, if you go if you go to Ken's site, and it's simply KenBoa.org, and go to the shop, when you go to the code, you're going to put in context, I-N-C-O-N-T-E-X-T, in context, you're going to get 15% off and free shipping. That's a deal that's better than i get that's a deal <laughs> that's a great deal that's a super deal how are you doing that? i don't that's know great. i mean that's impressive. It's so impressive my dad used to say if you buy 10 the price was less and if you buy 20 the price was less and he would always ask the salesperson so how many do i have to buy until they're free <laughs> yes, right. Dr. Ken Boa, you need to go to his website. You need to look at kenboa.org. There are so many tools on here. It's a life of a man who is a scholar and he knows the word. He knows God. He knows how to talk about these things from an apologetic way. And you need to be more and more familiar with Ken's work. Ken, thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your time. And I want Thank to bring you. you back on in the near future if you'll come. Yeah, let's talk about practicing God's presence. It's a missing thing. And the scriptures say that that is really a normative thing, but it's almost never next. That's our next podcast. We're going to get you on and talk just about that. All right? Love love you, brother. Thank you so much. Okay. You too. Thank you. God bless. 
Did you know that In Context is fully funded by our listeners like you? If you are a regular listener, would you consider giving a one-time or perhaps monthly donation? You can give at michaelincontext.com. In Context is produced by Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Tycho and Blair Masters.